What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Welcome back. So today on the show, we have the honor of speaking with Helen Papagianis, one of the leading thinkers in augmented reality. In addition to being a designer, researcher, and public speaker on the subject, Helen is the author of a newly published book, Augmented Human, How Technology is Shaping the New Reality. It's a fascinating deep dive on how augmented reality is so much more than the fun face filters we've seen on Snapchat. Augmented reality has the potential and actually is enhancing not only our relationship with the digital, but also our relationship with the real world around us. We sat down with Helen to talk about what augmented reality means for the fashion industry and its potential impact on everything from design to the future of shopping. It's a fascinating conversation and it starts right now. So Helen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's awesome to be here, Amanda. So for those who don't know you, explain who you are and a little bit about your field of research. Absolutely. So my name is Helen Papagianis, and I've been working with augmented reality for the past 12 years. And I've been working with AR as a designer, a researcher, and a public speaker. And my focus has been primarily on augmented reality as a new medium and looking at storytelling and experience design. And most recently, I authored a book on the topic called Augmented Human, How Technology is Shaping the New Reality, and it's published by O'Reilly Media. Yes, and I've had the opportunity to read the book. It's so fantastic, so accessible as we were chatting about before we started recording. And it's really great to have a book concentrated on this area and showing people how augmented reality is just so much more than Snapchat filters. So that's actually leads into my my first real question for you is you know, in the book you talk about AR not just as we're experiencing it through our mobile phones, but also as an extension of the body. And fashion, as you know it, is concerned with using the body for expression. And so on a high level, what potentials do you see for augmented reality and the fashion industry? So augmented reality is a new communications medium. And on a very high level, I can see it affecting all areas of, of fashion, from designers working with augmented reality to assist their process, to thinking about runway shows, to retail experiences, and even to marketing. And so from what you've seen so far, how are fashion and retail companies currently approaching and integrating AR? Let's talk about some real-life use cases. Absolutely. So in Augmented Human, I identify 10 experience categories for augmented reality as we've seen them to date. And one of these is augmented reality as a visualization experience. And it's perhaps the most kind of popular use of augmented reality right now. And we're seeing that in retail, where retailers are allowing consumers to kind of have a try before you buy experience. So some of these examples are, we can think about Ikea and Pottery Barn and Anthropology being able to have you test out furniture in your home and see how it would look like in your space. And then we have examples like Nike, where this in-store experience, you're able to customize and choose the colors of your shoes. And of course, Modiface in Toronto being able to try on makeup virtually with apps like Sephora Virtual Artist. And where I think it starts getting really interesting is with the Warby Parker app for the iPhone 10 
where the sensors map your face and are able to, within the app, make suggestions on what kind of eyewear would look good on you. And I think that's really interesting because then we're starting to move towards this kind of personalized experience versus a one-size-fits-all solution. So the retailers are embracing AR as a way to help you visualize products either on your body or in your home or in your office. And I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, the way I see it is it's really informing the buying experience. You don't have to guess anymore with online shopping. And I think that there's a huge gap there to be bridged. You know, when we're shopping for clothing and eyewear and makeup online, we don't really know what it's going to look like in our reality. So AR is a way of having it jump off that screen and into into the everyday. And that's what AR is all about in the end. So I'm very optimistic and excited for it. So in addition to showing consumers how products look, you write in the book that advancements are underway to allow consumers to actually touch and feel products. Can you unpack this a little bit more for us and give us some examples? Absolutely. So in Augmented Human, it's the book is a journey through the senses. So we start with vision and then we go into hearing and then touch and smell and taste. And with Augmented Reality, it's also possible to, to touch virtual products. So my first experience of haptics was in 2011 at the University of South Australia at the Magic Vision Lab, which was then led by Dr. Christian Sandor. And wearing a head-mounted display, I was able to reach out while holding a stylus and touch a virtual fish. So it completely blew my mind because not only did I see that fish there, but I was able to feel the texture, feel the scale, feel the weight. So let's think about fashion and retail and being able to, let's say, try on a virtual garment. It's now not only just how does that garment look on your body, but how does it feel? What does the texture of the material feel like? What is the weight of the product? Also even thinking about jewelry, right? What is the the weight of that? So that really enriches the shopping experience and and adds just a deeper level of immersion to it. Yeah, it's like the number one pushback that you have against people who don't shop online. You ask them, why don't you shop online? I like to touch it. So I like to touch the fabric. So to think that that possibility is just around the corner for everybody, I think that's pretty exciting. So... In the book, you talk about responsive clothing as we're talking about haptics, and you even give an example of one of my favorite designers, Billy Whitehouse, and her Navigate jacket. So what is responsive clothing and calm technology, as you call it, and why do you think the fashion industry should be paying attention? So responsive clothing are garments that have sensors and technology that is woven into the fabric. And calm technology is a term that was coined by Mark Weiser at Xerox Park in Silicon Valley in the 90s. And calm technology is all about tech receding into the background and appearing when needed. So it doesn't distract. It's something that becomes helpful and appears only when needed. So Calm technology and responsive garments, the fashion industry should be paying attention to this because as you said earlier, it's all about, fashion is about the expression of the body. And with technology getting closer and closer to the body, I think there are a lot of opportunities here for the fashion industry to become involved. The other thing to think about is that with augmented reality and all of these new technologies, For me, at least, it's about being present in our environment. So not leaving reality behind, but being more connected to the world around us and the people around us. And with responsive clothing, these sensors will help to create a more contextual experience that is relevant to what you're doing at the time. So it's a way for us to still be engaged in our environment, but to also be engaged and immersed with tech simultaneously. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I've been thinking a lot lately about how when wearable technology first kind of arrived at Fashion Weeks and how it was so blinky and flashy. And recently in a presentation, I said, well, that's how it had to be because how do you know a gadget is on, right? Because it blinks, right? And now we see it fading into the background and we're actually seeing it have more use cases that don't actually interrupt our everyday experience. And I think that a lot of the people who have problems with the Apple Watch, it's because it just Distracts them. And so, this I really like this idea of calm technology. I really love this idea of technology that's in the background but still really useful. And then also technology that enhances our everyday rather than distracting us and having our face in a screen. I think a lot of folks with young children would like that as well. (laughs) So, Let's talk about avatars for a moment. I've been fascinated with avatars for a little while now. Just as they popularized AR through their fun face filters, Snapchat is also popularizing avatars right now. So since they acquired Bitmoji in 2016, a Toronto-based company, Snapchat has actually rolled out these augmented reality Bitmoji, which I'm obsessed with. I log on every day to see what my avatar is going to be doing today. How do you think this is changing the way that we see ourselves and digital representation. I often talk about the positive impact of augmented reality, and that's where I tend to focus. However, I think in this instance, it's really important that we highlight some of the the darker aspects. And last week, I, I read an article about how young women were using Snapchat exclusively to take photos because they felt that they looked ugly when using an ordinary camera or when using other apps. And that broke my heart in so many ways. And so I think it's really critical that as designers, as people just active in the community and, you know, that we think about conscientiously, how are we employing these new technologies and what is the social impact? What is the impact culturally, emotionally, and psychologically And, you know, the fashion industry may have a bit of a history in this with airbrushing, photography, and kind of creating these impossible ideals in reality to live up to. I'm worrisome about augmented reality in that sense. And for me, it's all about continuing to coexist in reality and to embrace the real and to enhance that digitally. However, I feel that there may be you know, this area where we may come to reject our natural selves altogether. And so, you know, when it comes to puppy dog ears and, you know, fun things, but when it comes to liking ourselves better in Snapchat because our eyes are wider or our our lips are larger and kind of having these kind of digital surgical modifications of the body through augmented reality, I think we need to really be responsible and and think about how this is impacting ourselves and our, our notion of self So on one end, we have the photorealistic filters within Snapchat. And then we have Bitmoji, which is kind of this cutesifying, cartoonifying avatar. And even thinking about Animojis, right? And, you know, I I wonder about this because I wonder if in some ways that kind of takes the pressure off of us to be these kind of beautiful people who are now kind of cartoons or animals or something else. But at the end of the day, I I also just – I do wonder if – if it will come to a point where we do kind of abandon our authentic self in favor of these other digital beings, our digital avatars. And when we think about, you know, you could argue that that makeup in many ways can also change our appearance. But I think with makeup, we have more control over that in, in the application and as a creative expression. Whereas right now, at least with these filters in Snapchat, 
they're already predefined. So it's something that we put on that we can't necessarily alter. So perhaps this will change when we have that same kind of power with, with makeup in reality, where we can have virtual makeup that we can style ourselves with in different ways. But I think that this is, there's a larger issue here, you know, that needs to be addressed. I'm really curious, what, what's your take on it being in the fashion industry for years? Well, with Animoji, I just get so excited about the idea of being able to actually be a unicorn, right? Like, so for me, it's not necessarily about enhancing myself or hiding my true self, but this ability to become something else in the digital. I think that there's a really exciting opportunity there. And as a creative, as an artist, I get really excited about that. But I do see where you're coming from. And I look at apps like Facetune, for example, where you can make your nose smaller and your waist smaller, whatever it is that you want to do. And I do wonder about the impact on young people and when they think about fashioning their identity online. And then I also think about, has our online identities ever been an authentic representation of ourselves, or is it always a filtered version of what we want the world to see about our lives? So I think there's there's two sides to it. I'm excited, but also kind of cautious. And I think that when I have those mixed feelings, I always know that it's a, a good technology, right? Because technology is always what you do with it. It's not one or the other. In the fashion industry... It's interesting. Like I'm I'm interested to see how brands are beginning to collaborate with Bitmoji so that they're putting their clothing in the Bitmoji apps that you can now be dressed in Topshop. I think that there's an exciting retail opportunity there. And I think a lot about the future of virtual goods as well. Like when when will I pay for my avatar to have like awesome shoes and then get the real ones in real life as well? So I see the potentials. I see the area that you're talking about where we need to be concerned, but ultimately I think I'm excited about it. And I think that this is going to give us more opportunities for expression, but I think that that conversation definitely needs to be had. So what potentials do you see? I mean, I talked a little bit about the Topshop clothing line that's available in Bitmoji. What potentials do you see for augmented reality avatars in fashion? Like, are we going to be dressing ourselves online through Amazon or through any different retailer to be able to visualize clothing? I know that there's a huge challenge there right now, but do you see that down the line? Certainly. So thinking about 3D body scanning and having a accurate avatar of our bodies and being able to virtually shop so that you can now see what products look like on your body as opposed to a photograph of a model or even a mannequin. So being able to kind of more accurately try on clothing virtually will be something that is absolutely relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's a couple companies in Toronto that are working on that. There seems to be a lot of challenges in terms of like how the clothing drapes and getting to that point where it's actually an authentic representation of what it's going to look like on your body without them having to have a naked scan of your body. Because that's the other thing too, is you'd have to be able to be scanned naked or in your underwear. And a lot of people are hesitant about that, understandably. But I really do look forward to a future where I can go in VR to shop and see the garment draped on my body. I think it's going to enhance the buying experience just the way AR is now with some of the companies that we mentioned. So someone who really looks at wearables and technology on the body and how this is changing our humanity, I wanted to ask you, do you see wearables and even fashion technology as just a step on the spectrum towards embeddable and implantable technology? Like, are we all becoming cyborgs? 
technology is moving closer and closer to the body with wearables and with responsive clothing, certainly. Now, it is a step towards implantables and embeddables, but the value is going to have to be really high, in my opinion, for us to be implanting this technology in our bodies. So yes, we are we are getting closer, but I think we're still quite a ways from having the technology literally under our skin. And I'm excited for when the technology is under our skin. I don't know why I'm such an optimist, but as someone who has piercings and tattoos, I'm just like, I'm ready for my for my embeddables if they're going to make my life easier. But you're right. I think that for most people, it's freaky and they need to see the use case that is going to make sense for them. So what do you have your eyes on in terms of augmented reality and retail or the shopping experience of the future? Like if I was Nordstrom's and you were sitting down with me and they said, okay, like what should I be paying attention to right now? What would you say to them? I'm very interested in how we can integrate the other senses into augmented reality and into retail. So we talked about touch earlier, you know, but what about smell and taste? How does that come into play as well? And I don't think brick and mortar stores are going away. So how can we integrate augmented reality into the in-store experience? And, you know, I mentioned the, the Warby Parker app earlier. And, and in the book, I also talk about this kind of new augmented reality that is focused on context. So that's the next step is that how do we create these personalized and contextual experiences for the consumer? And what about augmented reality in the fashion industry? I'm really curious how designers will apply augmented reality in in designing garments and in their design process. And as well, looking at runway experiences, there's a company called Finger Food Studios in Vancouver, and they've partnered with Microsoft and Cirque du Soleil to create something called the Scenographer that allows Cirque du Soleil to create and visualize their stage design in advance and to collaborate on what the set looks like. And I could see that also being applied to the runway, to fashion shows and, and how these experiences can be designed virtually. Very good. And so I have one last question for you, but any closing thoughts before we get there? You know, it's not too often that an entire new medium comes around. And we have an incredible opportunity here to create entirely new ways of experiencing the world. And I think it's really important that we use this opportunity to create experiences that really enrich and uplift humankind. So kind of thinking about, you know, the opportunities and the possibilities, it will just be about how can we use augmented reality to make our daily lives better and to not abandon reality, but to enrich the reality that already exists around us. Very good. And where can people follow you and purchase your book, Augmented Human? So you can follow me on Instagram, I'm Augmented Human, and on Twitter, my account is AR Stories. And you can go to www.augmentedhuman.co with all the places that you can purchase the book in both print and ebook format. It's available on Amazon, iBooks, Google Play, and Indigo. And so as I understand, you also have a book signing coming up. Where can people catch that? Yes. So this Saturday, December 2nd at the House of VR in Toronto, between 7 and 8 p.m., I will be doing a book signing on site. You can bring your copy of Augmented Human to have it signed or you can purchase one on site. And I'm really excited to see and celebrate with everyone. Great. It's a great read. We definitely recommend it to anyone who's looking to understand the future of this enhanced humanity. Helen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was awesome to be here. 
That was my conversation with Helen Papagiannis, a designer, researcher, and speaker working with augmented reality and the author of the newly published book, Augmented Human, How Technology is Shaping the New Reality. It's available now and you can find the link to where you can purchase your own copy on Electric Runway. As always, we invite you to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at electric underscore runway. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, here's looking towards the future. Music from today's episode by Jeff Kale.